Right, hello, welcome to the One More Songcast. My name's Luke. And I'm Lee. Right, we've got our third guest on the podcast, first female on the podcast as well. It's, it's a record. We have Manchester-based Shelley LeFay, who is a singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, fiddle player, songwriter, we've said that, haven't we? You're in a band called Matt, uh, Matt Hartless and the Maverick Seven. Yes, correct. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add to, to the introduction? Um, I don't know. I've to... Who's ringing? Oh, it's probably the bell downstairs. To be fair. <laughs> um, I thought it was me for a minute. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Um, I think that's everything. Yeah. I busker as well. Oh yeah. Want to talk about your busker? Oh, recently. Okay. I've only I've literally just started busking like this last week. Okay. All oh, right. right. He's lent me his amp, and it's ah. great, and I'm hooked. Right. Was it one of those rolling street cubes or something like yeah, that? Usually, are, right? well, it doesn't roll. Oh, rolling! Sorry, <laughs> I thought it was rolling. And I was like, oh, if I had wheels, that'd be great. Just downhill, downhill busking. <laughs> no, I wasn't it expecting any, I wasn't expecting any like was it extreme sports with busking. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely make a lot of money. That's a great idea. Right, so we all, we always open our podcast, and it's a very broad question, but it's kind of broad for a reason. What does music mean to you, or the word music mean to you? I mean everything. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's like everything from just like um, the most fun thing I've ever done with my life to like the ultimate like coping strategy mm. for like hard times and just everything in between yeah absolutely yeah. do you mean more like a definition of what no literally is? just when you think of music but you've, you've put it quite well there it's it's your happiest times and it's also your darkest times as well i suppose yeah, so totally. it's just it covers every aspect of your life yeah um so we we, we want to spend this first part talking about like your early experiences with music mm-hmm. so we're going right back to the start. What were you, what were the first things musically you were exposed to? Um, influences maybe from your parents or, or friends or whatever it was that got you maybe thinking that you, that's something you want to do. Or it might not even be something at the start that you thought you wanted to do, but it was just them um, instant influences or instant yeah. sounds. Okay, so it's a bit of a weird one really because my family just isn't musical at all and there really wasn't ever like music just on in my house Mm. it was kind of occasionally like they'd put like you know classic fm on or whatever um i yeah and like i remember like going on like long car journeys and having like classic fm or some movie soundtrack or something on and um i would just sit and like look out the window and just kind of create like little um i don't know usually like animal based kind of uh, images in my head mm. of like, because that was like my first kind of obsession was animals, <laughs> I suppose. And then music came after. Um, so yeah, I would always kind of have a little bit of like a kind of visual kind of relationship to it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know where it comes from. I really no. don't. Because like my, my family like have kind of dabbled a tiny bit. I remember my brother having like keyboard lessons at school. But um but it doesn't mean anything no, like no. the same amount to anyone else in my family as it does to me. And as soon as I, like, I remember getting really into pop music just because of like my friends in school being like, you know, talking about this stuff that I didn't, I didn't understand. And so I kind of was like, I need to start watching like Top of the Pops or whatever. <laughs> to, so I have, you know, I can get involved in these conversations. Yeah. And from then I was just like, I can't think about anything else. And I got obsessed with like pop groups. And then I, I think like the most kind of pivotal moment for me was seeing, um, hole on top of the pops okay and you know like i'd seen a couple of women play guitar like think like 
uh, there weren't. I mean, there weren't many. I'm trying to think of any, names, <laughs> but I definitely there was a couple. But um, but yeah, seeing like Courtney Love just like rocking out on um, on top of the pops, just like it was just like this kind of light went up in my head, and I was yeah. just like, oh, we we can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and from then, I just like yeah, kind of yeah, got got like a really cheap guitar for Christmas and just kind of started learning to play and like I didn't get into because violin's like my main instrument I was gonna yeah mm, but I I just yeah I don't I don't know I think it was just the fact that I had a friend who was selling his mm. when I was about 17 years old and I was just like yeah actually I'll buy that off of you because it was like really cheap and I just yeah that I just immediately found that so much easier than guitar because I've got very tiny hands. <laughs> so um, guitar's always just been a little bit of a pain. And you didn't have a dreadnought then for your first guitar? One of those big guitar, that like jumbo big guitars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what way, I wear and I'm tiny and I struggle to get my hands yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've got like my guitars, like my electric one, which I've now given to Matt, who's the singer and guitarist in my band, yeah. um, and my acoustic one, they're both like Daisy Rocks. So they're like made specifically for tiny female ah, hands right, right. yeah so they've got like a thin neck and they're a lot, like a lot lighter and yeah. stuff like that so um but yeah that kind of really put me off guitar like I started learning when I was like 12 or something mm. and then I was just really put off by the fact that I struggled with it so much like physically and um yeah it was only when I discovered these like kind of <laughs> female centric guitars basically that I was just like oh okay I can do this a little bit better than I thought but violin's always been a lot easier as strange as that sounds yeah so yeah did you go from obviously struggling with the uh, acoustic guitar or or electric guitar Mm. how did you then go from that to being interested in fiddle and violin well is that the same thing by the way it is the same thing i get this question a lot and like yeah the the two are just completely interchangeable but people tend to use fiddle for folk and violin Ah. for classical but like also people do both yeah yeah you know so it doesn't matter yeah um but, uh, so, hmm, I, my mum was like in this Morris dancing oh. group. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like vaguely, and she's, she's Irish as well. Um, so we've kind of always had a little bit of like, um, folkiness kind of going on in the, in the background in our lives. Um, she was in this, yeah, Morris dancing group and I used to like go along and they would do like, at the, at the folk festivals they'd do a dance and then afterwards there would be like a session or like a sing around where everyone just you know takes it in turns to stand up and sing yeah. a song so that kind of got me interested in folk music um and so yeah from then i just i, I don't know the violin's just very very like captivating yeah, isn't absolutely, it? like yeah. i mean i think everybody would agree with that so when i heard it i was just like i wonder if i could do that and Turns out after quite a long time I could, but it took a long time to get there because it's, yeah. Always does. It's, now it's always hard work learning an instrument, isn't it? So what yeah. sort of things were you playing in those early days on the guitar and then on the violin? Was it just sort of folk you stuck to on the violin or was it classical pieces? Was it, what, what was it you were sort of learning in those early um, days? So with, I mean, I don't think I had a music lesson until I was like, maybe like 19 years old. I was always, because, you know, like my family not being very musical, mm. it never kind of occurred to them to be like, what do you want some music yeah. lessons? It just wasn't, you know, something that I guess they thought was important or whatever. Fair enough. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I would just like get like guitar tabs off of the internet yeah. and just try and learn stuff. Um, but I, I had like no understanding of music theory 
at all so I think I just you know I was writing these songs and just everything would just if I I don't think I've got anything written down from those days unfortunately (laughs) I've got some stuff from about like 10 years ago and I'm just I look at the chords and I'm just like this is mental (laughs) because I didn't know I didn't know like you know about chord progressions and stuff like that then what so you were creating sort of unique chord progressions because you didn't have the understanding of it yeah that's quite cool though isn't it sometimes that naivety is like the best thing about music because it just works and I think a lot of the a lot of the people in the pop music industry now, like Richard Ashcroft, do you think he's really sat there with a music theory book and studied it? No, he's probably just played his guitar, played a few chords and mm. saw what worked mm. yeah, and left yeah. it at that. And like, yeah, that sounds good. I'll keep yeah, it at that. Yeah. That naivety is so important. So yeah. obviously experimenting through those days, obviously you've said you look back at it since and thought, what the hell am I doing here? Mm. But is there any of those ideas that maybe have stuck or come into your songwriting or anything nowadays? Hmm. Have they? I don't know, you know, because like, I definitely still play some songs that I wrote a long time ago. Yeah, like 10 years ago plus. Um, But yeah, like I said, having looked at them, I've just been like, oh, this needs a little bit of tweaking (laughs) because that's very discordant. Uh, But um, I just, I had this, I had a friend say to me years ago that I have like a gift for melody, which was really like, um, I don't know, encouraging, yeah. I suppose. And I think that maybe just like having a little bit of like, I don't know how innate it is with, with I don't know how innate anything is really, but like mm. in terms of like pitch, like perfect pitch or yeah. relative pitch or whatever, because my pitch is good. I don't think it's quite perfect. No. But like, I've always been able to like hear mm. like when something sounds really, really wrong, yeah, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, have things stuck with me since then? I don't know. I've probably not really. That's a really boring answer, isn't it? <laughs> but the, the, the thing is that I feel like I, um, as soon as I started understanding music theory, it was just like everything kind of fell into place. Yeah, and it just, it, it felt really like liberating. Yeah. Because I didn't feel like nervous about playing things in front of people and being like, oh God, is, is this wrong? Are they going to judge me for like not knowing what I'm doing? Because like, there's the kind of extra thing of being female as well. And like where I grew up, uh, there was like no women in the band. There was like two actually. One was a singer and one was a, another violinist in a folk band. Everyone else was blokes. And it took me like years mm-hmm. to like get anyone to like want to like want me to be involved I in see. Where, where Where were you originally from then? Uh, Kent. Right, originally. okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, my accent's a bit like all over the place because I've lived in the North for so long. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so it was just kind of like little um, kind of backwater town and it was just sort of really male dominated music I see. scene. Um, so staying on that then, yeah. do you remember you, so obviously you've gone from dabbling in guitar, obviously then being inspired to play fiddle as well. Mm. Do you then remember then pushing on and saying, right, well, I'm going to do my first gig. And do you remember that experience of your first gig and did it go well or bad and how did that shape you going forward? It was fine. Um, but yeah, my first ever gig was a solo one. And right. It's like, just because I didn't have anyone to slap a band with. And I think part of that, can I swear, by the way? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good, because I've been watching that. All included. That and I'm just, great, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
yeah, I'd, I'd really struggled to find anyone to start a band with. And like, I know that like, you know, looking at the kind of demographic of the scene, it was like, probably a lot of that was sexism. Yeah. But also, you know, I was, I was a difficult person back then, probably still am a bit. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I can, you know, looking back and be like, okay, I understand why people might not want to spend that much time with me. <laughs> um, but so I started, when I discovered Frank Turner, Okay. I was like, oh, I could, I could do that. I yeah. could do that on my own. Like all these songs that I've written with a band in mind, because I was doing stuff like Bad Religion and like um, No Effects and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'd always envisaged doing something like that. And then I, um, yeah, when I yeah discovered Frank Turner, I was like, oh, I could like take all these songs and kind of just make them acoustic. And it's not really folk, is it? But you know, like modern. Folk no, I get yeah, yeah. It's kind of like punk, acoustic punk. I always describe Frank Basically, Turner. Basically, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that merge between the Clash and then a fo- some mm. sort of folk song. Yeah, actually, yeah, the Clash and Billy Bragg. Maybe yeah, kind of. Billy Bragg. I'd say yeah, that's good. good yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that was my first my first ever gig, and I was I had a boyfriend at the time who was like who was you know amazing musician and was like I've gone out with so many musicians and in the past. <laughs> It was just because, like, I think I was like living vicariously through them yeah. because I didn't have like no no one was playing a band with me, yeah. and so I just go to all their shows and just everyone thought I was just kind of really you know obsessed with the guy or like yeah. a massive groupie or whatever, and I was like, no, I just want to be doing that. But yeah, you would, yeah yeah you to mingle with those people. Yeah, and try and totally. Almost find a way in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But he was like um, doing a bit of promoting as well, and so he was like. Um, you know, I'm doing this, I'm putting this gig on at this place. Would you like to just like open and do like five acoustic songs? And I was like, okay, <laughs> which was so scary. And it was probably rubbish. Now I'm And these back. were all your own songs as well that you opened with. I think I may have done like a cover. Yeah. But yeah, mostly. Yeah, yeah I had yeah. a lot of stuff written. At That's that a point. positive start though, because... Mm. If you're then putting your own stuff out there, that makes you more vulnerable for your first gig, doesn't it? Oh, if yeah, people don't respond so. to it very well, then it's like, oh God, it's my own stuff, you know? Yeah. Whereas if you're doing a cover, it's like, well, you know, I can... I didn't write it, it's not, yeah, my, yeah. not my thought, it's a shit. So thing. it was probably yeah. A, yeah, a tough start, really. So did it go the way you planned? Uh, and yeah, then did um, it push you on? It did. Yeah. But like, back in those days, I had like such bad stage fright mm. um so I didn't really enjoy it I think I think I did the solo thing for like a year maybe okay. and then I got to the point where I was just like I think I had one really bad gig um and it just really like put me off yeah. and I that's at that point I was playing a lot of violin and so I just ended up doing that after right, like for yeah. a while until like last year really so yeah. I kind of put the solo stuff aside for quite a long time like 10 years or something right, okay. um and then just came back to it last year and I've just now I've I've got so much experience being on stage as a you know as a violinist and like um a backing singer and yeah. stuff. So um obviously slightly different, but I'm just so comfortable being on stage now that um doing it on my own and having all the attention <laughs> instead of having to share it. <laughs> it's just ideal. So, so you don't yeah. you don't have a problem with that now, you kind of that Not those experiences have set you up and yeah, that's yeah. Cool. I think that's a weird thing, isn't it? Because I I had a completely different set I was fine getting up mm-hmm. I'd have a bit of, I'd have a few nerves until the end of the first couple of songs and I'm right right okay I've got them yeah. out of the way I'm good now but I always I almost hated acoustic gigs solo acoustic gigs because I've, I could have had the best gig in the world and I turn around and there's no one there to celebrate with that was how I saw it yeah yeah and I think mainly because 17 18 I was lobbing beers down my throat mm. I wanted to I wanted to party after a gig 
and almost like if none of my mates came to the gig that was it I couldn't oh. do it so I think yeah that was that that was that sort of thing I think although you do get less money with a band it's that that togetherness that bit you know oh, you've absolutely. worked hard on that's the feeling isn't it yeah. it's yeah I mean like my my band Matt Heartless and the Mavericks Seven, it's honestly like the best thing I've ever done and um we're on a little bit of like a kind of um a not a break, but like just our, our bass player has RSI, so we just had to kind of cancel some yeah, stuff, yeah. which is just like, oh, it's so sad because yeah, gigging with those guys is just when when everything kind of clicks, yeah, and you absolutely. know you've got the audience dancing and like everyone's just smashing it. It's just there's no better feeling. Definitely, yeah, not at all. 100%. Yeah, so yeah, is that that kind of having that that little group, you know, that little gang to like share everything with? Yeah, is yeah it's it's amazing and i do yeah i definitely i've been thinking about that recently of just like um you know solo stuff is going well um it's going in a good direction um but at some point i'm gonna need to get a band together so i t- can have that as well so i can have the best of both worlds yeah absolutely. yeah so i know i was doing a bit of research on yesterday i know you went yeah. to art school as well didn't you or, or studied art at university did, yeah. so did, did that then bring you to manchester studying did you study in manchester did you no, no. i actually i i went to art school in canterbury in kent ah, so i right, wasn't too yeah. far from where i was from but i met um a scouse boy at uni ah. and then i moved up to liverpool right. live with him after uni and then i ended up coming over here ah, nice. um so yeah just a little tour of the north yeah. basically i was gonna say how, how did studying art intertwine with being creative as a musician as well did they go hand in hand or not at all i think they do like i i know a lot of people who yeah. do both you know yeah. and i do the artwork for my i mean i've got two releases so i've done both of those i was gonna say for all my releases <laughs> i've done the artwork for both of those um which uh i don't know some of that was just like a bit of a point of pride of just like, i want to do everything myself like yeah. on my first ep i like played all the instruments and i also wanted to yeah do the um yeah the artwork and just kind of I didn't produce it. That's the one thing I couldn't do because I have no idea. You didn't produce the music. <laughs> no, no, I don't no, know. No. I don't know how. No, I don't know how that. <laughs> that's just sort of tough. It's it so tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do it. You can do it up to a certain point, can't you? But then it's tough. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I had trouble with that. You know, you're looking at the price of recording for a solo artist some places, and you're like, right, okay, exactly, um, yeah. yeah, I'll do this myself. <laughs> and then you're there for two weeks, tearing your hair out, and then you take <laughs> off all the effects, start again, and then go, right. So all I needed to do was tweak that little bit oh there. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, I think that is the thing. You've you've just got to dive into it. If you don't hmm. just dive into it and fail at it a couple of times. Yeah then you'll never get going. But I do think there is a difference after trying my first yeah. studio recording last year. There is a hell of a difference in what mm. you can do from home yeah. to this what you can thing. do in a studio. It's just, yeah. it's hard. It is hard. Because the, the thing is, like, you can write the best song in the world and if you record it really badly, mm. no one's going to play it on no, the radio no, or anything. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. And also, like, one of my kind of thoughts on it is that like anytime I sit down with anything technical I mean I can just about handle the busking amp <laughs> just about um, but yeah if I try and sit down with anything technical I just get this kind of like ennui just like flood over me and I'm just like I don't want to do this what I want to be doing is practicing my violin or singing or something mm. you know I just I just it just hits me with this like absolute 
grinding tedium it's just not for me <laughs> no, basically yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i'm not a digital person hey, you should try getting into podcasts that's yeah the podcast has nearly ended about four times to be honest yeah, yeah. over of one the... little bit of compression yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> is that true we were is. bickering about compression the other week we? oh yeah. even my missus said can you stop saying the word compression <laughs> <laughs> Was there a moment where there's a pause and you looked at each other and went, what have we become? Yeah, we, we, in, the end, in the end, we just went, right, let's just put the episode back a week because yeah, yeah. we need a break here. Oh, God. Oh, See, funny. this is exactly the issue. I don't want to, I, no. I don't want that in my life. I don't want that energy. I think we kind of got, we've kind of settled the differences, moved on and uh, we've, yeah. we did a bit we of had research. A fight, we had a fight, didn't we, in yeah. the car park and then, you know, yeah. <laughs> bare knuckle and then we were... Just, yeah, bare knuckle around the back of an Iceland and uh, all sorted. Yeah, yeah. Right, so just quickly before we end this, this part of your early life and your early experiences in music, um, before we talk about your songwriting techniques and going into some of your songs as well, mm. um, so you obviously sent some of your tunes to us to play and we're going to play at the end of this episode today, um, especially the... Uh, the False Spring, I like that tune. It's a Thank great you. tune, that. Um, I've listened to that all over the weekend. I've been singing it over my head listening Bless to you. it. So. Thank you so much. No, it's a good tune. But um, I wanted to ask you what your maybe more vocal influences are. Um, I hear a bit of Kirsty McCall in your voice, oh, but I don't you. know if that's uh, maybe a generic thing to say or whether no. there's there's probably wider influences that we haven't even thought about. But obviously, you're saying about Irish and folk. I want to talk about fairy folk as well, but that might be a little bit more for the next part. But uh, oh, yeah, 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 just more your influences really for your songwriting. Oh, okay. Well, do you want vocal influences or songwriting influences? We could start with that, I reckon, yeah. So, like okay. I said, with a bit of Kirsty McCall, I even heard a bit of Jackie Abbott, but then I listened to Jackie Abbott again the other week and was like, oh, no, actually, probably not. So, uh... Yeah, I don't know if it was you or someone else that said that to me a little while ago, but I, I didn't necessarily hear it myself. Yeah. But I was like, cool. <laughs> Thanks. Um, vocal influences. I mean, I'm a big fan of, like... Um, you know, like Dolores O'Riordan of the Cranberries. Oh, Cranberries, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she's got the most incredible voice. It's just very, like, kind of, I don't know, there's some very, like, almost, like, primal elements to her yeah. voice. I mean, not primal, but, like, uh, like there's, I don't know, tri- tribally kind of, like... I get what you mean. Yeah, these kind of... Um, just the, all the little, like, grace notes and stuff she puts in, and she's, like, a little bit of, like, a... I don't know, it's not yodeling, it's very, is it? But it's yeah, something. almost like traditional. So traditional, it, yeah, I think exactly. That, yeah, because that's what would happen in traditional Irish folk. They normally put these little trills in and stuff yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, wouldn't happen in pop music nowadays. Totally, yeah. So that's definitely a big, uh, something I aspire to, but like, God knows if I'll ever get there because she's just had the most amazing voice. Who else? Um, I don't know, probably, um, I'm like a, well, yeah, my biggest like my biggest kind of influences for like music I, I grew up with Manic Street Preachers oh yeah, yeah and Muse as well like a really big one for me obviously both those guys are like incredible singers yeah, yeah definitely and I kind of like grew up yeah singing along to, to men so like um, I discovered like the other half of my range like a bit later I because get, yeah. yeah yeah I'd kind of I guess I'd kind of opened opened that oh I don't know how it works with the vocal cords but um yeah I've got a pretty like soprano kind of range and yeah. um I wasn't really using it until I started doing like my own stuff and then I was just like we were recording so on my EP um there's a song called Hereith which is like 
Um, yeah, and that's very prime. I listened to that. That's quite primal, isn't it? With, yeah, yeah, that was the intention. Because yeah, it's supposed to be a really sad song. And I'm supposed to be like, ah! <laughs> just putting all of my like misery into it with the vocals. That was the kind of no, it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> that was the vibe. But um, yeah, for that, I I um I was recording like some some backing vocals, and as a joke, I kind of did this ridiculously high note. And um, luckily, um, Matt. My, my friend who was producing me like kept it in and he was like that was a d6 man and i was just like i didn't know i could do that <laughs> so um yeah so yeah i don't know a lot of it's kind of come naturally but yeah. there's there's definitely people that i want to be like like dolores 100 percent. and what about your fiddle influences or violin influences mm. is there is there people that are, i know you said obviously you were into your morrissey dancing and stuff is there any artist? Morrissey dancing, what, Mor- the guy out of the Smiths? Yeah, oh, well, Morris, Morris dancing. Oh, there we go. <laughs> you can clip that up. I hope that's a thing. <laughs> Morrissey dancing. Leave that in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just imagined it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take me out. <laughs> Morrissey dancing, great stuff. Um, Morris dancing. <laughs> Pointless comment of the week. Yeah, just with hankies and <laughs> Uh, um, but anyway, that's yeah. a question. Um, <laughs> um, do you know Lindsay Sterling? I don't, but it, I'm sure listeners She's will. She's fucking yeah. incredible. She was, I think she, her kind of uh, break was America's Got Talent. Ah. She's a really good um, violinist and she also dances. She'll do like full on like incredible like choreographed right. dances with like a troupe while playing, yeah. which is like... Tough. Not that's too much talent for one human. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, she's. Um, I would recommend listening to like okay. some of her stuff. It's very like. Um, mm, how do I describe it? I mean, it's kind of a lot of it's like dance music. You know, it's like electronic beats and stuff on it. And then she'll just play beautiful like, um, you know, like fiddle fiddle riffs on nice. it. Um, so yeah, that's another person I would love to be like. Oh, Emily Autumn as well. She's okay. another like. I don't know if you guys know her. I've, I've heard the name, but okay. I can't remember what she was on to hear the name. She's like a gothy kind of person. She does like um, yeah, like synthy gothy kind of music. Yeah. But she's a classically trained violinist, and she'll do these like amazing stage shows where it's like a little bit of like a kind of. Um, uh, cabaret kind of right. thing but then at one point she'll just like whip out her electric violin and play like an amazing like Bach concerto okay. and um, so yeah like those two I mean there aren't many violinists no. in like you know contemporary music no. um, but those are the absolutely sorry do you need to go to a break is not at all up? I don't think okay, so cool. was I looking at no no I was just thinking of more of okay more cool. yeah, yeah. I was just checking <laughs> we've got three minutes so okay uh, amazing no I reckon, I reckon, <laughs> reckon we call it there have call it break. there have a quick break we'll put a daft advert in and uh, yeah we'll see you shortly for the songwriting part of the episode so yeah Ooh. <laughs> and some Morrissey dancing and some Morrissey dancing <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? It's me, the daddy. Just wanted to take a moment out of the episode to promote a certain somebody today. A certain Stephanie Collette that has been helping us out, getting us started with filming, with lighting, with a little bit of photography as well. So a big shout out to Stephanie. You can find her in Chorley at her studio. It's above the Blue Light Cafe, I believe it is. She does web design, photography, she does filming as well. She does all sorts of things in that sector. Um, and we'd really like to promote her. So her details are going to be in the link in the description below. 
So you can check her out if you want anything that's music related or, or even just family shoots she can do as well for you. So a whole range of things and she's really good. We can vouch for that as well. So go check her out. Back to the episode. I'll see you later. Right, okay. <laughs> right. Welcome back to the One More Songcast. We're into part two. We're into your songwriting, Shelley. So obviously a massive part of your life and, and yeah. what you do. Um, so I wanted to talk at the start, before we go into songwriting, about what your gigging situation is like. So obviously you're in a band, you're solo as well. What's the, what's the general music scene like around Manchester? Is it, are you mainly just doing original gigs or do you do some cover gigs to cover the bills to then supplement your, um, your original writing? How does it work for you in, in Manchester? Um, I should do that, yeah. that's really smart, but no. no. <laughs> um, I just do like original gigs, but I do throw covers in, yeah. just because, um, yeah, like, nice for people to hear something they know yeah, yeah like kind of makes them like pay a bit more attention to the yeah. rest of your original stuff i guess um but uh yeah the gigging situation is i don't know like the, the music scene in manchester is like amazing um like and it's a lot more like diverse than anywhere else i've yeah. lived in like kent and london and liverpool and um, this is like the first place where I've been where there's like actually quite a lot of women in the bands. Yeah. I can't speak about like, you know, other elements of like diversity and stuff like racism yeah. and uh, sort of races, stuff like that. But yeah, with, you know, the, the fact that there's, um, there's actually a lot more women doing it here is like really nice because it's, it's rare, unfortunately. But um, yeah, um, so I do, yeah, I do busking. I do gigs with my band. I do like solo stuff but um yeah mostly it's original stuff just because uh i don't know the thing with like doing covers and i know you you guys do oh it's, right? yeah, it's hard work though there's definitely um, some downsides yeah 100 yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's like that's not really what i want to be doing no no I no be making new stuff yeah and um yeah i do have a little bit of a bugbear at tribute bands because it's like <laughs> um it's fine. I understand why people would want them at like their wedding or something like that. But it's just like, can't we make room for like new stuff? Yeah, Do we have to keep yeah. rehashing the old? No, that's a good know? point. You're in an Apple tribute band, aren't you? So. Are you? <laughs> it's not really no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely I'm not. So excited. Stop crushing people's dreams. No, no, no. It's fair enough. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? Because obviously. I don't really go into Manchester that much, but when you go to like Matthew Street in Liverpool and you've got all the Beatles covers and everything <laughs> else, like it, it is a completely different market, isn't it? You know, and yeah. um, it, I've always found the concept strange. I mean, I, I'm getting into writing, but it's not really been a big thing for me. But mm. I, I didn't know until fairly recently that you don't really get paid for doing original gigs or not often. And it's a strange no. concept, isn't it? Because there's a lot more effort that goes into writing your own music. But it's awful, it's backwards. It's completely But it backwards. just seems to be the way it is. And there's no mm. manoeuvring that, is there? Um, what are your feelings? Yeah. Well, obviously, I know what your feelings are going to be. But can you talk a little bit about like the reasons why that might be? And I wish I knew. Yeah. I like I was going to apply for this festival a little while ago um, and like you know it's like a fairy folky kind of festival so I was like well I'll fit right in and um, I looked at the bands they had on in the past and all the headliners were like tribute acts yeah. and I was like oh, fuck off yeah. I don't want anything to do with you idiot <laughs> <laughs> it's just um, I don't know why that would be no. I think it's so depressing I just really feel like 
is it an attention span thing maybe do Possibly, people just yeah. not have the attention but to people, like, when people are out on a friday saturday night they just want to hear the generic tunes because mm. they've had a few pints and yeah they aren't i don't know people probably aren't as open as what they used to be we had we had um, a guy called leon didn't we um, yeah who played in he went down to london quite a bit in like the 90s and stuff and he said people are a lot more open to original music than what they are now he oh, says God. so uh, it is sad, isn't it, really? But, uh, I, yeah. I think, Awful. for me, it almost seems like... The, the, don't get me wrong, there's some good promoters who are out there because they love original music yeah. and they're actually out there helping original musicians. They're fair with a ticket split and everything like mm. that. But then you get others that almost everything they do, it feels like they think they're doing you a favour. Oh, yeah. I, it's just yeah. sort of like, hang on a minute you promoted this show three days before your job title is promoter yeah 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 like it's like they yeah well well it's your your fans you need to get them to mm. a show well hang on a minute you're meant to be providing yeah. a platform for us to perform to different people yeah. i don't know man it feels like um but there's definitely an element of like people think that the arts are like self-indulgent and they are to an extent but also, if you think about, like, yeah, and no, I don't think of it as real work, but if you think about, like, all the times, like, if I think about all the times that something has got me through, like, a terrible time, like, last year I was really depressed about, like, you know, thing not working out with, with a guy, and I just listened to Muse just obsessively for, like, six months or something, and that was just my happy place, yeah. you know what I mean? Before that, I was, like, obsessed with, like, Game of Thrones and, like, the the book series and stuff that got me through some rough times manic street preachers got me through like difficult teenage years mm. you know like that's what the arts is mm. it's like science is like science is what makes like life modern life possible but the arts is what makes it worth living you know that's the thing that we like we we go to when times are hard and you know i think that was really like exemplified in like the, the pandemic everyone was just like yeah Netflix and you know whatever else everyone was just kind of like just kind of trying to get into something they could escape into because you need that you know and people don't seem to kind of it's like everyone wants art but no one wants to pay for it yeah those are the that's that's the kind of dichotomy that we live in and um it's such a shame it's like why it's a shame it's not seen as 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 valued as it is mm. but I think people just will kind of write you off as like a bit of an attention seeker yeah. and things like that do you know what I mean no it's, it's even trickier when you live in a small town like this as well because yes. there's only well I mean obviously we can travel to Manchester Liverpool if, if we really want mm. to but like there's only one original music venue in Preston and that's had its difficulties hasn't it there's so, one yeah there's, there's yeah. two or three uh, really the so you've got Reva Show Bar, but they do a lot of tribute acts and it's not as well known the Ferret's the main one so like they've in the last year they've had the Buzzcocks on um, okay. Ed Sheeran just bef a year before he got big uh, headline there um, okay, you've cool. had you've got the next lot of up and coming bands are going there mm. um, but then you've also got the Vinyl Tap which is kind of more like a music cafe mm -hmm. so there's places that will put it on but the Ferret is probably the most known and do you know what it's, it, it's hard enough as it is but they've, I've done a few gigs at the Ferret They've got a great sound guy. All the bar staff like will s sit there and talk to you about music all mm. the time, like all day long. Yeah, it's always friendly. And then some of the times, like unless it's where people's mates are going to see them or it's a bigger act and people are buying tickets for that bigger mm. act, 
it tends to be that people don't really go there and they've just about saved it it's mm. it's so depressing it's horrible <laughs> it is it's just like I don't know is this to do with like maybe the smoking ban a little bit I know it was a long time ago but like do you think that had an impact I think that maybe? might have had an effect at the beginning I think now yeah. people are used to it and they deal with it but it's fine most yeah. most places have smoking areas anyway mm. so it's not ri- where, yeah. where it is sheltered now the thing is even yeah. round here if I put a little bit of an of a not not even off the wall cover but something that I may be more like that isn't you just your standards you can see people's attention drift yeah. mm. so imagine them putting an original tune in somewhere around here it's just not gonna happen is it I mean, to be honest to be honest it depends where you go it does I think you, yeah. you have to have if you get an audience that are banging to their tunes yeah great like yeah. I've, I, I try to chuck a one or two in mm. but you have to gauge the time to do it if you're performing somewhere for the first time yeah. they're already out there going alright you better be good sort of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't want to just chuck your own stuff in there. Then you want to be quite well established before you do that in a venue. I think it's so hard because if you then think, "Oh, I'm not established enough," you then never do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. sometimes I just thought, you know what, sorry, I'm just going to play it. Yeah. And generally, totally. it does get quite well received. Yeah. But there it's hard. Go. It's harder to be well received when people don't know you or aren't listening. Yeah, that, ma- that, that makes sense. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's definitely an element of like yeah, you have to like prove yourself worthy of their attention yeah. or whatever. It's um, oh, why? How did we get here? Because it doesn't make any sense to me. And it's just like we're we. It's one of the biggest like exports from this country, definitely. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like right. I remember like someone saying, I think this was during Brexit. There was someone said that like it's the same like like it makes the same money for the country as um the fishing industry does uh, yeah but the amount of headlines and like you know like drama there was about the yeah. fishing industry but yeah. like you know to save that with you know for brexit and like the the music industry was gonna be so damaged by it and mm. it had the exact same you know the exact same impact on the economy and stuff and it just it's just viewed as this and we were told to go and get other jobs. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we were, weren't we? <laughs> okay, well, yeah. we'll try and be a little bit more positive moving forward. So. Nah, let's burn the place so we're down. We're going to talk about your EP, which, okay. <laughs> which was uh, released in December 22. It was. Uh, Feral Heart, is that right? Feral Heart. And um, it's got three tunes on that EP, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, my favourite being False Spring, but um, but no, I really, really enjoyed the tunes. Um, I wanted to ask you about... so. What would you say your genre is, or is it not really a specific genre? You've just got so um, fairy folk. I call it fairy folk. Or is like that an actual genre? Or is that? I don't know. No, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've put it. I put it as like a hashtag on Bandcamp. That and dream folk, and like it already seems to exist. So I think there's a couple of other people out there who've had a similar idea, but like a lot of that just comes from like I try and put a lot of like eth- etherealness yeah. into my tunes. Like I'm a big fan of like the Cocteau Twins, and okay. if you guys have listened to them, it's all like. It's it's that's what dream pop is basically. Yeah. It's kind of like shoegaze but weirder. Okay. Basically. Right, okay. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. And like the vocals are like indecisive. Like you can't tell what she's saying. After yeah. All the vocals. There's a lot of saying. shimmer on the instruments as well, isn't there? A yeah. Lot of, like shimmery reverbs a lot of and reverb. it's like reverb. reverbs and stuff. I want to say like mm. enchanted, but is that right? Yes. Yeah. That's absolutely the word. Um. Do, so yeah. wh- where does that inspiration come from then? With the with the um, fairy folk. Hmm. I think. A lot of that comes from being like 
half Irish, so a lot of these this like mythology comes from there. Yeah. And um and also always being like a big like fantasy nerd, like yeah. in, you know, yeah. Lord of the Rings and like Game of Thrones and various yeah. other things. Um so yeah, I've just kind of always been drawn to that like, you know, magical side of of stuff. And that's always been a big part of my you know, like my, my artwork as well is um, you know, always like goddesses and fairies and mermaids and things like that yeah. so I just those are the subjects that just like occupy my brain basically no it's cool you seem so, to have made that your own as well like with the mu- you can hear it in the music and cool, yeah no, it's wicked. yeah yeah because yeah, I wanted to try and find a way to like show that through sound as well as just like the lyrics mm. so like the the like layering of vocals and things like that is like really really important to, yeah, my, 100%. Uh, to my sound so I want to ask you about your songwriting technique and style mm. it probably isn't always the same but is it like the lyrics that typically manifest themselves first is it you know you might sit down with your fiddle or with the guitar and think of something or might you just think of a particular experience and then sit down and work with that experience or is it different well uh, I generally I, I generally think that um I tend to write songs when I'm like pining over something mm. or someone um and uh, so I've got a song that I'm working on at the moment called North and that came from um, living in London and just fucking hating it this was like <laughs> this was like 2017 and I'd moved there by mistake basically I was like oh I'll just see how this goes and I just hated it because I'd come from Liverpool to yeah. London I was only there for a year and then I moved to Manchester um, but yeah like uh, yeah I wrote this song North about like it, well it was also the time when like the season seven of Game of Thrones was on so I don't know if you guys ever watched that but like it was the time the Starks were coming back to Winterfell no yeah I did, so, I did watch most of it to be fair yeah. it, was, it got very confusing for me though <laughs> it was like the story <laughs> going on it weren't simple yeah, enough yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it was good but, though, um, yeah. but yeah so like those two kind of things I kind of like blended in my head and so it kind of became about like mm. travelling home to the north like going even though like, I know I'm not from here technically but you know it's, it feels like home to me no that makes sense um, but um, yeah and then like um my whole EP, Feral Heart, I wrote about, um, yeah, just like a, a, an experience I had last year. I like kind of fell in love with my friend and, and he, um, he already was with somebody and it kind of looked like it was something was going to happen and then it didn't. Mm. And so instead of like, um, I don't know, like I did a lot of crying about it, obviously, but then I, I just, it just really kind of inspired me. Um, yeah. I guess because I had all these feelings and nowhere to put them yeah, so I just yeah. kind of made music about it instead so so it manifested itself from like an idea or an experience and yeah, then you sit experience. down with that and then she starts to write the lyrics for it how did it how did it manifest I, th- I think I tend to start with like a melody yeah um although sometimes the music and the melody like sorry no the melody and the words come to me all in one mm. um so the most recent single I've put out is called A Dream of Trees and Stars. And that, have you guys ever had this experience where you um, like, you come up with something, you come up with an idea and you're like, that came to me too easily, that must already be a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened to me like, I was literally like in bed at my parents' house at Christmas and this like 
half a song basically came to me as I was just like lying in bed like trying to fall asleep and I quickly like grabbed my phone and like recorded a voice message and I was like do you know what tomorrow morning I'm gonna wake up and listen to that and be like oh yeah this is already like yeah a cranberry song or something um haven't yet found the song that I've ripped off so I think it's so strange ideas just come to you fully formed definitely it's like how how is that happening I think my my most played song clear out on Spotify is just Literally, I heard this chorus. It had full drums, backing vocals. I, I must have had a stage of about 20 people on it. Um, but I literally heard the chorus. I was like, oh, that does sound very oasis That's That's almost like the, the backing vocals were very take that as well. It's like a callback. <laughs> take that. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's a weird mix, but when you hear it, it actually works. It works, yeah, yeah. But I was listening to it and thinking, like, listening to it in my head. Cause yeah. Yeah, musicians aren't crazy we're just schizophrenic when yeah, we write yeah. songs <laughs> um, it was very strange that I was like that's got to already be a song and I put the lyrics into Google and it wasn't so it was like uh, right okay this has got to get written and recorded right now Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't get to do it but for some reason it's stuck in my head normally those ideas go don't yeah. they but this one's stuck around so it's it so made me strange. think, right, yeah, this is the next Don't think it's weird as you've fallen asleep as well. I've had that before, yeah. where you've fallen asleep and I did. And you, you have to question whether you can be asked getting out of bed and recording it. I or always you just go do. To sleep. Yeah. I absolutely, I can't. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Like, it always seems to be in that away. sort of um, transitional phase mm. to yeah. going to sleep, doesn't it? Yeah. Or a lot of the time, anyway. I think the ones that, from my experience, the ones that come to you fully formed tend to be your best songs. Isn't it so strange? But this is where the idea of the muses comes from, isn't it? Yeah. Like, um, Greek mythology because like those where else could they come from it feels yeah. spiritual it feels like a download mm. from the universe yeah you know like there's no it, it's come from nothing you've not you generally you're not even sat anywhere near a guitar yeah like, I used to get a lot of ideas when I was at when I was working in an office yeah I got all my ideas in an office it was right? weird yeah it was weird all of a sudden I'd be like there like probably falling asleep at my desk uh, not me yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then just an idea just comes out of thin air like Hang on a minute, what's that? <laughs> it's so it's so strange. Mm. It's amazing. Just like I would I would love to know the science behind that. No, because absolutely. it's just magical otherwise. Yeah. You know, it's um but yeah, because yeah, they do tend to be your best ideas. That's the weirdest thing about it. I'm trying to think of anything really, really shit that <laughs> that has just come from, like normally yeah. the things that are shit are the things that you have yeah. to force. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like yeah, I was going to mention that. That was probably going to be my next question. Have you ever had a song idea that you thought was going to be brilliant? Nothing else came to you, and you're trying to guide it somewhere. Hmm. But or maybe you had a really good idea for a chorus, but you had no verse leading up to it. How do you sort of have you ever had to manage to get around that and make something worthwhile out of it, or have you? I've definitely had songs that I've taken like ten years to write. <laughs> where I've got like part of an idea and you know luckily it's like stayed in my brain or I've got a voice note from like years ago or I've or I've written it down less likely that I've written it down because I've only just learned how to do that really but um but yeah not like right not like reading right <laughs> <laughs> just a quick click <laughs> Luke's just learned this Morris dancing so yeah, yeah, Morris yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um but um yeah to write music you know um but uh yeah so like yeah, I'll have like pieces of songs and like I've kind of learned to just like let them just sit 
and just be like, okay, I've got half an idea, I've got a chorus or I've got a verse or I've got a riff or something. And eventually something else will come along into my brain from wherever it comes from that fits with it. Um, so that's that's usually like my kind of process. Like either, it, yeah, it comes to me like fully formed and it's just like, how the hell did that happen? Mm. Or um, yeah, it can take like a really long time mm. to piece together. Like I think, yeah, when, when I was talking about that particular song, that was the, you hear all these artists go, well, the song wrote itself. And you used to think, oh, that's a load it's of crap. It's so true. Yeah, you, you, you're talking crap. So and then true. when you actually get the idea where the song just writes itself, yeah. that chorus idea just spring the verse idea, then had the pre-chorus mm. idea. Then the solo came to me. It's like, oh yeah. my God, this actually happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so true. Like when I was at art school, we had, uh, well, we had a lot of really fucking pretentious tutors, but one of them said, um, when you're doing a painting, it was like, it's, there's a point where it becomes a conversation. Like it becomes like, you know, it, it just becomes obvious what to do because it, yeah, it writes itself, it paints itself. And that's, that's exactly what that mm. is, right? So strange. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing though. It's, it's just, it's very kind of like, um, I don't know. It's a, one of those moments where you just, yeah, it just feels like everything kind of falls into place. And just what like, do you think? What do you think your favourite part about songwriting is? Favourite part. Hmm. I mean, I guess when it feels yeah automatic. That's just a real. It's called flow state, isn't it? That's, what, yeah. that's the word yeah. I was looking for. And you get into flow state yeah. because it's just yeah, it just becomes easy. It just becomes straightforward. That's the. Um, that's, that just feels incredible, that moment. Mm. Um, but I was gonna say actually on a different, slightly different take, um, I did, when I wrote Hirayath, um for, on my EP, that was the most like methodical I've ever been about writing a song. And it was because I'd only just really learned about like music theory. And so I'd learned about like chord progressions, you know, like the Roman numerals thing. Yeah. So um, I was just like, I'm gonna try and write a song based on that. Um, and kind of like do like unusual chord progressions or whatever and also like um, have like sections so it wasn't all just like verse, chorus, verse. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to kind of experiment and make it something a it's bit It's about weirder. eight minutes long, isn't it? So yeah, a, yeah. A lot, obviously a lot of planning to it, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's just like several pieces, yeah, really. Yeah, pieces, yeah. And I wanted it to kind of, um, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like, I ju that's where I wanted to kind of put all like my really like negative feelings mm. about the, the, the experience like into just like, and make it really, but when I first listened to it back, I was like, oh God, this is so sad. <laughs> like the first kind of like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. I was just like, fucking hell, man. And then it just kind of like, and it kind of wakes up a bit and it's like, ah! <laughs> and um, yeah, so I think maybe that was an element of it as well. I was like, I don't really want this to just be really like, <laughs> really like woe is me no, that makes um, sense so yeah. I wanted to ask you specifically so so my favourite song off your EP is, is False Spring yeah um, so I was doing a bit of research on you yesterday don't want to be too weird but there was a video that, where you'd said that you'd wasted a, so much time in bad relationships yes and you know that could have been spent becoming a better artist or a better musician but actually I can hear the sort of hopelessness in your lyrics um, in that yeah. song so really is that not can you not look at that as like fuel for, for writing good music really yeah I think well? there's a Absolutely. saying isn't there like what's bad for you what's bad for you uh, what's hard for you isn't necessarily bad for you that's a good yeah. saying. Like that's a saying I so think this true. relates to. Yeah. Well, I was on. I was on this. Um, you know, Reform Radio in Manchester. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. We, we were 
me and some other female singer-songwriters, we did like a little kind of round table thing yesterday on that. And um, we all had the exact same thing of just like, when you're happy, when you're in a good relationship, when you're in a good place, you do your worst work. Yeah. And the opposite applies. Like the most miserable situations tend to like breed like the best kind mm. of content. But however, I would say when I said about like wasting time in um, bad relationships, I think the issue was that I wasn't spending time practicing my instrument because mm. I was, you know, obsessing about someone like, why is he, why is he acting like this? Why is he treating yeah. me like this? And just, you know, um, so I think that that's the, the part that gets in the way mm. because, you know, there's like Adele and Taylor Swift, people like that who have made, like probably everyone actually have made like a, a living out of, you know, Heartache, turning yeah. the, yeah, yeah, turning those experiences into just like, you know, a fucking lot of money. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But it was more that development as a musician rather than the actual, yeah. yeah. Because, it, yeah, yeah, you, you're like lacking the energy to focus on. When you're in those situations, you lack the energy to focus on like anything um, except like, why? Why? Why is this happening? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've kind of learned now to like, as much as I can, like when I'm like sad about something, obviously it's very hard to kind of make yourself go like, okay, well, I'm going to do my hours practice. Because, yeah. But as soon as I make myself start doing it, I'm like, I feel so much better. Mm. So um, yeah, this goes back to what I said about earlier about being, uh, being a coping strategy of <laughs> all of the things. I think that's weird because the, the happy songwriting has only just come to me. Like before I try and write happy songs and I'm 100% with you, they were awful. They were cheesy as... <laughs> They were as cheesy as anything. I literally just ripped them up. I've, I've chucked them away now. Really? <laughs> but I think my latest song is actually about having a good time after a difficult week of work with my mates. And it's probably That's one of the nice. best songs I've ever written. That's yeah. good. But I think sometimes happier ones can just be the most basic thing you do. It's yeah. What, three, four chords, I think, with this one. Yeah. It's just... It's quite, it's just a catchy melody three, mm -hmm. over three, four chords. There's nothing to it really. Yeah. But sometimes I think that simplicity does come into it. Have you even, have you ever, obviously you're saying your, mo your most depressing work is your best work. <laughs> have you actually had a happy song that you might have been proud of at I'm all? I'm trying to think of any happy songs <laughs> <I've ever made. laughs> um, I wrote one called the, the leaving song and this is one that I wrote over like this is not one that took me years to finish which might have also something to do with this but um yeah that's more it's not really a happy song but it's positive and it's like a kind of like defiant kind mm. of thing of just like I'm gonna get out of this situation and the the chorus I'm not afraid anymore um so maybe that's about as happy as I get. <laughs> I should try and write something happy. Um, maybe about my cats or something. <laughs> um, it's, it's, Tom it's, Jones already had a go at that, didn't he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a shit song. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, oh. My mate went to see him and he literally, he went for a beer at that song. <laughs> he just could not stand fair. It. Absolutely fair. Um, God, yeah, are there any... I mean, I do like, you know, love songs that are, like, you know, happy and positive. I mean, I think Fall Spring has some elements yeah. of positivity in it because you, 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 yeah. you're putting all the, the bad... Well, the way I interpret it is you're putting all the, the toxicities aside and you're sort of still going to be waiting for this, this person yeah. in a way as well. So there is a little bit of, like, the glimmer of hope in there as well, almost. I think yeah. it's the glimmers of hope sometimes. Definitely. I think that... Yeah, because the... I don't, 
really like explaining my lyrics because no, I'd no, like no. people to kind of you yeah, know, interpret their own way. Yeah, because yeah. someone said to me once, um, like once you've made like a an artwork or you know a mm. song or whatever, and you've put it out there, it no longer belongs to you. It belongs to everybody who listens yeah. to it or looks yeah. at it. And I really like that. Um, however, yeah, that yeah, the kind of the basis of it was just like um, you know, you meet someone and you're just like you just feel something like like a, incredible like we've we've met before we I feel like I've known you my whole life mm. so that's kind of what it was mm. based on of like meeting again and like every in every like lifetime and stuff um so yeah that's quite hopeful what the way I would phrase it is malignantly optimistic <laughs> 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 just like I'm just gonna keep putting myself in this in this shitty situation yeah, no, because uh, I can't help myself yeah but um but you know, but the thing about that is, right, is that I've, you know, that whole EP I wrote about this this really hard situation. But at the same time, I, I don't have the same sadness about the situation anymore no. at all. But I got an EP out of it, and I got some of my best work out of it, and that's why I think it's just like the best way to cope with anything. Yeah. It's just like make make some art about it make some Definitely, music yeah. about i think that point that you make about um it doesn't belong to you anymore mm. there's two artists that have spoken about this like i think noel gallagher he said he listens to his crowds watches his crowd singing don't look back in anger back to him and he's like who the fuck sally like uh... <laughs> what's she angry about <laughs> um, and then goes but it, it, it means something to them so it doesn't matter and till said they don't put lyrics in any of their album covers because Mm. It'll they can it doesn't matter if their audience misinterpret lyrics it'll mean something different to them anyway. That's really nice. I like that. We are gonna have to. I'm sorry. Yeah. No problem. We're gonna break. cut this short. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Thirty seconds in. I'm thinking. How am I gonna interrupt? We're gonna we're gonna preview a little bit of Fall Spring into this next ad break and uh, give you a little bit of a teaser for the end of the episode. So uh, yeah, we'll catch you in a minute. Cheers. Enjoy. <laughs> Howdy, partner. It's the sheriff here. Sorry to interrupt your episode. We just wanted to take a little bit of time out to promote our social media pages because at the end of the day, that's what life's all about, isn't it? So head over to Tom's Cast One on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. TikTok, we do more stupid videos, whereas Instagram and Facebook are a little bit more informative. So take your pick. Also, you're listening to us today, of course, on YouTube. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That helps a lot. If you could like and share our YouTube videos as well, that would be more than appreciated. We're also on Apple Podcasts as well, so if you could head over to there and rate and review us, and hopefully by the time this goes out as well, we're on Spotify, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Back to the episode, shall we? You've got lots of work to do. What are you waiting for? See you soon. Yeah, right. Okay, welcome back to one more songcast. We're into the third and final part of the episode. And um, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, gigging in Manchester and your recent, I don't know if it's love for busking, but you've started busking, haven't you, in Manchester? So we'll go on to that first. So busking in Manchester must be massive. Like, there must be a lot of people doing it. Describe a typical day. I know you've only been doing it for a short time, but what's a typical day like of busking and how does it compare to standard gigs, really? Um... Well, I guess the way I think of it is like being paid to practice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like a typical day, I suppose. 
I mean, I've not done it that many times. I don't know, typical. <laughs> How many well. times have you done it? Only like three. Ah, no, I started okay. like last week. Yeah. But I've been meaning to do it for such a long time. Yeah. And I was just like, I guess I was just too, like, I was really nervous and I kept putting it off. And then I think one day last week, I think it was, it was just really sunny and I was like, oh, come on, just do it. <laughs> I was literally messaging some of my friends just being like, I'm really nervous. And they were like, you're smashing. <laughs> so I just got there, set up my stuff and just started. Just Do you like, have to like book a, a, a slot somewhere or you literally yeah, just turn up anywhere? Just turn on, up. Yeah, obviously yeah. you can't be blocking doorways and stuff. So do you have to, yeah. you kind of have to, you can, but can you literally just set up anywhere? And, yeah, and you don't going? need a license. Right. You don't need, there's like, I obviously looked it up on the council website and it just says like, you've got to, like they prefer you to move on within like, 90 minutes right. or something but no one checks right yeah yeah um and yeah um, are you wrestling with other musicians for good spots in the city and stuff or is maybe. it not really like that um well on saturday i went down um just because it was a really sunny day and it was a saturday so mm. i was like obviously i need to go today um and i kind of walked through like market street and like market street is always super busy on saturdays anyway mm. but um yeah so that was like there was there was a lot of people on there so i just kind of carried on walking and Interestingly, like you get a lot more people on Market Street than you do on like St. Peter's Square or St. Anne's Square, both of which are like probably like more well-to-do areas. Mm. So I don't have that much to compare it to because those are the two places where I've, I've busked and I've done really well and got really nice like um, feedback and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, it was really scary the first time I did it just because it was like a brand new thing and I didn't know if I was going to get like loads of abuse from yeah. my or whatever but luckily so I'm guessing so you didn't then I'm guessing it no. went well yeah, it went cool. really well and I was just like I was just hooked yeah, <laughs> I was no. like I'm definitely going to do this so do, you know you sometimes see on YouTube you get these crowds of people that starts to did anything that. like that no. <laughs> what does it feel like <laughs> no. you know in a, in a gig obviously 90 well probably less than 90% of the time people are there to watch the music mm-hmm. What what is it like when people are kind of just going past and no one's probably re- well not many are really paying that much attention is it a bit um what's the word I'm looking for? A bit of a confidence drop or is it just, it is what it is and you're part part of the square almost? Yeah, I guess you yeah, kind of become part of the ambience, don't yeah. you? I mean, a lot of people will like film you yeah. and then just walk off and it's like... <laughs> Where's that going? <laughs> yeah, isn't it? But um, I don't get a confidence drop from people not watching. As long as like occasionally there's like a bit of money getting dropped in, then I don't worry about it. And I just kind of, I just figure like, if I don't get any money from this, I will have like practiced and I yeah. would have done this at home anyway. Yeah. But I've not had a time yet where I haven't got any money at all. I've always made like consistency or consistently around like the same amount, which is, like between like fifteen and twenty quid for okay. like um hour and a half, two hours yeah. or something. Um so like yeah, I just yeah, um I've just figured like it's it's what I would be doing at home yeah, anyway. Definitely. But um yeah, I've not had the like crowds of people. Kids are great when you're busking because they just come up and like if their parents are like sitting on a bench, like you know, messaging someone or something like that. Um, the kids will just come over and just like dance together. <laughs> yeah, like that's just adorable. No, it's yeah. really nice. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, I actually find it like a little bit liberating sometimes when like as like I said, as long as there's like a little bit of money coming in every now and then, um, it actually can be quite nice not getting an applause at the end and not feeling like it's not it expected is it so yeah. not, not that it is in pubs but there's always that awkward transition sometimes especially when we do the covers mm. where it's like yeah, it's like there's that awkward bit between people aren't really clapping you and you're like oh god and you go into the next one whereas you're not it's not really expected in the street is it yeah because so it's, it's just like well i don't mind if people aren't listening to me anyway they're going yeah. on about they're going on about their lives and um and that's fine but like uh i, th- I think there's 
when you do a gig that's like you know you're kind of meant to be background music mm. and you know like when you get a few claps at the end it's just out of politeness yeah, and yeah, it's not of yeah. anything else so like you know that I find that way more of like a confidence drop definitely yeah. than like just no one clapping in the street because like yeah obviously why would they so no, it's fine you're right, you're right I think this is the thing I've had to sort of shift my mindset with so when I was in bands at the first gig was really really lively mm. And then the next gig, there was like about five or six people there yeah, when we yeah. were on. So it just wasn't, you'd, you'd have the post gig blues after that. I think when I went to play acoustic, first couple of times it was lively, the next time it was kind of dead. But you just sort of learn to deal with a quiet audience. Like, yeah, all right, absolutely. okay, maybe just do a few straight into the other. And I think until you can get hold of yourself and sort of say, well, listen you're still being paid like this isn't the end of the world they're, exactly they're just not going to engage you then start to watch people and people are miming along or singing along they might mm. just actually just be sitting there watching you totally it's, yeah it's a whole different ball game isn't it mm-hmm. yeah like with my band like we've definitely done some gigs that are like in yeah like old man pubs or whatever and they're normally the most like the least reactive audiences mm. they kind of will sit there and like clap and just not smile at all <laughs> you know you're playing these like little like um those little no, towns like Darwin, like we've played in Darwin. I a live lot. in Darwin. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. So number thirty nine. Oh we've right, yeah. Quite a few yeah, times. yeah, yeah. Do you know Martin then? Who, no, I've, I don't you know? really gig round round Darwin. Okay. I gig more Preston and Chorley area, but okay. I know it's got a decent music scene. To be yeah, fair, it's got like the yeah. blues bar and stuff like that as well, yeah, which yeah. has music on him. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's always like whenever we've played there, like we always kind of have like a really like subdued crowd who like don't really do- you get the odd like young person dancing mostly it's like sort of older people and they'll like applaud politely but then in at the end they'll just come and buy like so many t-shirts yeah. and cds and stuff and it's just so surprising you're yeah, like, oh, we're like a sack of shit but actually they mm. just are less demonstrative and no it's true it's been the same where where you they get the booking diary out and they're like oh we'll book you in for five dates and you're thinking yeah, yeah. Um, oh right oh was that good yeah Did you, yeah is that how you yeah and you're like you don't know what to think do you <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so um this could this can go into gigging around manchester mm-hmm. as well but as the what, what's your most memorable so obviously we're from from smaller towns than obviously manchester and liverpool mm-hmm. and stuff there must be some crazy gig stories that you've got might be with your band it might be in the city it might even be from your short time with busking mm-hmm. where you just think oh my god what what on earth went what happened there is there anything crazy i was in like positive or negative <laughs> Probably, probably negative, but yeah, more than anything, I, yeah, the negative ones are always like remembered. It, yeah. I've, I've kind of got one of each, which are connected. Yeah, that's cool. So we had um, our album launch last year in February, which was um, like, it was, it was a little bit. I mean, it was one of the most stressful things we've ever done, just because you know there was so much to organise. Everything was on us, and the venue weren't like particularly helpful. I won't name them just in case <laughs> they listen to this. But um yeah, they um they promised a lot of stuff that they did not deliver. So it was just all on us to sort everything out. Um but like and, and you know we didn't sell like that many tickets coming up to it. So we were just like ugh ugh. And then on the day it sold out and it was incredible wow. and like the videos from it are just like like I didn't know that many people knew the words to our songs. Right, yeah. Um it was just such a buzz. It was absolutely So was this incredible. with the band? This was with Matt yeah. Hartness and the Maverick yeah, 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just like the biggest buzz ever. Um, and that obviously like 
came away on a high from that and it just took me to like three in the morning to stop like for the adrenaline to like kind of cool off and for me to actually be able to like sleep um but um yeah then like two weeks later we played um at um, an old day um at another venue in town and like it was like on two floors so there was like one bar downstairs and we were playing upstairs yeah. in the other bar and like they had neglected to signpost that there was bands <laughs> upstairs there was literally one guy oh, wow. standing there watching us for our whole set oh. and as soon as we finished he like walked so fast out of the door because he was obviously like well I can't leave because that would be rude but he clearly wanted to <laughs> piss for a long time or something and like we were just like that was like two weeks apart yeah. just like playing to like sold out crowd who knew all the words to our stuff to nobody <laughs> and it was just like it's funny how that goes that is literally it? our job in a nutshell really isn't it yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you off camera if it's a venue I'm thinking of but no that's <laughs> um, no I've, I've experienced that like one gig absolutely buzzing on a high everyone's like bouncing yeah. and then the next gig you just get three people in the bar like oh mm-hmm. it's normally busy on a Saturday yeah <laughs> well clearly it's not tonight yeah well you know these things are sent to keep us humble and we just kind of we're like well let's um, let's just play some stuff that we are not as like comfortable with and mm. you know it's like kind of a way to like you know introduce it into our set so we, we kind of found ways to make it work and we're yeah. just like let's just have fun and we still like throw all the shapes and stuff and like we're dead silly on stage like we always are chose to not let it like bother us but like <laughs> fucking sucked and it was like oh come on I suppose it's better like, being with a band than it is if that happened to you on your own because then you probably yeah I don't think I would bother yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like I'm just gonna I'm just going to stop. Yeah. 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 Don't worry about the fee. Like, yeah. just leave it. But we went downstairs yeah. and walked out through the, the other bar was fucking rammed. Uh, yeah. It was literally a lack of signposting. Yeah. I think it was a fucking tribute act playing as well. <laughs> so that could also be it. <laughs> going back to the main theme of this episode. How yeah. much yeah. hate tribute So act. That, that kind of, I think we've covered most of the busking, especially if you haven't been doing it for long. Mm. Um, yeah, not that much to say yet. No. That leads, you, that leads us on to, well, actually, before we move on, is with busking so what are the main benefits for you if some if somebody's thinking of busking maybe they already gig maybe they don't what would you say the main benefits are for someone to go out and busk um confidence boosting i think um yeah like learning to work with different kinds of crowds i think is Mm. like important um but also, yeah, I mean, the main thing, like I said, is getting paid to practice, paid to practice. And, and knowing that you're going to have, like my attitude to it has just been like, as long as I make my bus fare home, um, then like I've done a, yeah. I've done a good job, you know, as long as I'm like not in um, negative credit, you know? No, that makes um, sense. Yeah. So like, and I always, always made like um, more than, way more than that. Um, and yeah, I think it's just with anything, with any rubbish gig or with any good gig or with busking or anything, like, I just think the best thing to do is just like find a way to learn from it. You know, like there's always something mm. educational Definitely. from every situation, isn't there? And busking is, busking is great for one of the reasons, like we, we've only done it once with my band, but we had um, so many people from like kind of different backgrounds like stop and watch us so that was a time when we actually had like a little bit of a crowd just because you know it was a band and um i think i do think violin gets a lot of attention generally because people see it as quite niche as well yeah people see it as some kind of like witchcraft how do you make that sound like that 
Um, so, um, yeah, so like um, that, um, that was a really good experience because we, um, we got so many people from like different backgrounds. It wasn't all just like young, like white kids no, basically sense. watching us. It and do you have like a QR amazing. code or something that they can then go and see your band on Spotify? No, we just, or? this was like pre-pandemic. Ah, so we were still relying on cash. Yeah, but yeah, these yeah. days, yeah, we definitely do the, yeah. the sum up thing as well. Or like, yeah, QR code. Or yeah. whatever. It is a great, especially for original music. I think it's a great exposure. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Mm. That, yeah. How much does it sort of generally cost? If you're, if I say thinking about busking, because uh, people have recommended amps to me, they're like six hundred quid. Yes, the battery. What, even ones. the Roland Cube ones. Are yeah, oh, they're the, they're the most expensive. Well, I'm so lucky. My friend has just lent his to me. Right. My friend Mike Gruber. Shout out to Mike Gruber because he's <laughs> producing my music at the moment, and oh, he's nice. just the most wonderful person. Um, but he, um, yeah, he just, he had a busking amp. I think he's just one of these guys who collects gear <laughs> yeah. and uh, he never goes busking. He bought it for like one thing, one busking thing he was doing with like some of his guitar students, I think. And then when I posted on Facebook that like, can anyone recommend a busking amp? He was like, oh, you can borrow mine. And I was like, are you sure? He was like, oh, I'm not using it. And um, yeah, so I just kind of got that a long term loan. So I'm so lucky. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, like this is the thing. I'm, it's like 500 quid new, I think. Mm. It's, it's so depressing. I know. Because you're not going to. Is it make cheaper that. to buy a generator, do you think? Just yeah, use your normal PA? Yeah, yeah. Like massive desk of like a table there. <laughs> yeah. Sound man, everything, yeah. Right, I think we should move. Well, I'm going to go. Yeah, I think we should move on to um, talking about your band. Um, yeah. So, um, what's this, is the style of music pretty similar? I, I'll be totally honest, I've listened to your stuff and we are going to get your band on hopefully at some yeah, point as okay. well. Um, is the style of music um, very different to your solo stuff? I would say so because um, that's why I'm doing solo stuff, I suppose. Yeah. Otherwise, I would just be like, let's play these songs in the band. Um, but Matt is the main songwriter, Matt Hartless. Um, but he, uh, I've written a couple of things where they're just like instrumental folky things. Um, so it's very much his baby, you know, he's had this band in various forms and with various names since he was like 16 or something crazy yeah. like that. Um, and, um, he's amazing. He's a genius songwriter and uh, musician. Um, but yeah, like the, it's so hard to categorize what our music is because when I joined it kind of, they hadn't, I think they had a violinist briefly before, but it wasn't really geared towards that kind of music. And yeah. I've kind of dragged it in like a more folky, folky uh, punky kind of direction. Okay. But there's also a lot of other influences, a lot of like Scar. Right. There's a lot of like, I don't know, like we, me and Matt are both obsessed with Muse. So there's like a lot of that yeah. in it as well. A lot of dramatic, uh, harmonic minor. Oh yes, <laughs> all that. Lots of weird modes and stuff as well. Um, and yeah it's so hard to categorize and i just say like we're folk punk just because people see mm. that we have a violinist and so they're like oh it's folk music it's fucking not at all <laughs> um but yeah it's it's fun is what it is ah, it's really? fun <laughs> so um booking gigs with a band in 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 a, in a city center how what do you think the general music scene's like in manchester at the minute or in cities do you think um it's changed as you've um as you've been in music where do you think it's at now and where do you think it's going we talked about this especially for original music as well yeah this is this is the thing it's just like um i don't know i think so um yeah i was at uh i was saying i was saying before that like um i did i did go to a gig on 
Saturday night, which was a Metal to the Masses final. Mm. And um, so that's like a battle of the bands. Type. Yeah, so yeah. it's not quite like a normal gig, and yeah. it's like there's many heats and stuff. But um, but I, so I went because my friend's band ended up winning it, Square Wild, who are amazing. Um, but um, that is the most packed I've seen in like gig for original music in a really long time, right. and it was very encouraging to see it yeah. to see that it's it's a thing that still happens. Um, but it's a shame that that's kind of like. Um, the exception do you, do you think I mean? there's things that people could be doing not even necessarily the musicians but promoters venues is there do you think there's a way that they could all club together and what would you sort of change about the way things are being done now yeah. and and maybe what could be done if that makes sense i would just say please just like book less tribute acts and yeah. make it like less covered oh, sorry guys i know you guys do covers <laughs> no, i don't want original music yeah, that's, that's how we cities. make it right yeah, we can definitely yeah. understand it in cities 100 percent. Yeah. yeah i think that it's um i, I think the problem is that like, it's always about the bottom line isn't it like they need to do what's going to make the money especially mm. now when everyone's absolutely skin so it's like Fair enough, you guys know that tribute acts are going to bring in more money, but there needs to be like, I was going to say there needs to be more balance. There is balance, obviously, but like, wouldn't it be good if like, you know, every promoter was just like, or every every bar was just like, we're going to have like one night a month where we have tribute acts mm, and the rest of the time yeah. it's originals only. Um, because yeah I think so much of it's about people being in their comfort zone isn't it and it's like I guess it's the same for me just listening to the same music over and over and I feel like it's a massive effort I have to make to be like no I'm actually going to look for something no I agree with that yeah and that's what it is isn't it it's just that but in a live even listening to your tunes yesterday isn't something I would ordinarily do so it was quite enjoyable yeah yeah thank you I think that's why we're trying to get original bands at the end of the show because people just want people won't listen to it otherwise no it's it's yeah. hard to sort of it's hard to get people to listen to new music as it is because mm. yeah they'll listen to the first 30 seconds nowadays and go they'll decide whether mm. they like it from that they're probably That's not even true. into the chorus yeah, uh, yeah it's it's like when you i don't i don't know how much you've actually tried playlisting but there's a, a website called submit submit hub Okay. And you get like two free standard credits when you sign up. You have to pay for the credits to submit to these like bloggers, uh, TikTokers, uh, playlist curators on Spotify and Deezer and all this sort of thing. And it'll tell you who's listened to it, who's listened to it, how long they listened for. That's useful. And, and depressing as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Because on this submit hub I've never been selected for a playlist I've been selected for a few on this website called Soundplate which is completely free to submit to but Mm. it doesn't generate an amazing amount of listens but it certainly helps it's not like you get nothing from it Um, but yeah people just like I suppose people like that won't really have a time so if they don't like it after a minute they just like that's it Then you're not getting in the playlist it's it's so hard to really market it in that way yeah yeah i think it's because it's so accessible to everyone mm-hmm. like you were saying before it's all crowded social media mm. so yeah. where does it really end it's yeah. it's just a battle from day one so to get them back that up when you're not really getting the streams to get people to shows mm. if your mates aren't coming how are you getting it when you've not got the following and uh, that's it it's all about like getting that 
that fan base, isn't mm. it? I think the like TikTok is really interesting, like the way they do it, because you have like I've got a TikTok and I've only just started using it really, but I um I'll try and put on all my videos. I'll try and put like a clip of one of my songs, just yeah. so hopefully mm. people hear it and they're like fucking through. Um, but um, and I think I've got like maybe one new fan out of that <laughs> so far. <laughs> definitely got one it's a lot slower tiktok like instagram you can get like 50 followers in a day quite it's it's weird Mm. but tiktok it's like it slowly builds you don't get follow or unfollow as much there's a lot of people that do that on instagram oh Oh, my god like there's so many times like i was like about to get to 500 followers i get the 500 followers and the next thing i had 495 yeah oh my god like what did i do what did i say but then you just get people doing it to trigger an algorithm and it's like it really Mm -hmm. does my head in i I think that's why play games i can't be bothered i agree that is a game isn't it yeah yeah Yeah. you're right Um, i think that's a great idea though is is like you say potentially having dedicated original music nights and you pay those original musicians I know it's a, a bit of a dreamy sort of thing sadly yeah. but um, <laughs> I don't see why venues c- couldn't do that even locally so you you said about flipping it so you've only got covers on once a month but in towns like this you could flip it so you've got original music on once a month or whatever yeah. you know it, that would probably work I think yeah like a rock night in a pub or something like that yeah. just where you have yeah, it doesn't even have to be a rock night. It could be a themed night each month yeah. where you get bands of a certain genre in, or even really? if you didn't do a theme night, like yeah, yeah. you can just have a yeah tonight's new music night. Just mm-hmm. have people coming on. You could have a few solo artists starting it off. Yeah, whatever. Totally. It, it's there's so many ways around it, but like I said, like we said, it like it does feel like promoters feel like they're doing you a favour when they're not. Some of them yeah. aren't doing a lot to promote the show, mm-hmm. and it—I'd say from my experience in Manchester, they were a lot better. Mm-hmm. They, everyone got a unique, unique ticket link, and it was just like, right, whatever you sell, it's ten pound for the all dayer. You sell a ten pound ticket, you get five quid of it. Oh, fair yeah, enough. I know the thing you mean. Yeah, that's Omar. Is it? Uh, I think this one was done on Skiddle. Oh yeah, I think it's the same. Yeah, but it worked. Yeah. I think there's a million ticket yeah, sites yeah. that do the same thing. But like, mm. fair enough. I, if you're doing it that way, I get it. You have to sell tickets to make money, and like even at the even at the big stages. Yeah. Do you think the gig industry is dying, or do you think it's like there's people still there's still plenty of people going to gigs? So do you think it's actually dying, or do you think it's changing? <laughs> just it's gonna shift. It, it's waiting for its circle to come back. I hope so. I mean, everyone loves festivals, right? There's always, I mean, festivals are kind of where it's at, I Mm. think. Like, that's where live music is, like, the most appreciated, I would say. And, like, yeah, like I said earlier, fucking festivals, booking tribute bands now, and it's just like... (laughs) Am I going to get cancelled for constantly slamming tribute No, not at all. No, no. <laughs> we, want, we, want, um, we want these opinions want on, 100%. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like, um, that seems to be, like, as an artist, like, the best kind of circuit to get on. That's yeah. my opinion. I don't know if I'm yeah. right about that. The festival circuit. Festivals, yeah. 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 But that's also a matter of, like, getting your foot in the door. Yeah. Like, my band's done a few. I haven't done any as a solo artist. Um, but, yeah, I think oh, it's just who you know like mm. the arts is always about who you know, that isn't yeah. it um, but yeah because you know a lot of the time you get paid really well and um, you get a free ticket to a festival and you can mix with loads of other bands yeah. and um, 
and yeah people are just like wandering through and they're like pissed or whatever else <laughs> and um that makes them more likely to be like yay let's have a dance in the sunshine yeah. or in the rain to this like weird ass band that we never, <laughs> never would have like seen in our no, normal lives definitely. like i've discovered so much music that way i used to go to a lot of festivals yeah so um in my opinion that's the best kind of scene uh if you can call it that um because yeah like it definitely has dropped off a lot yeah. in like the last five. What do you think to open mic nights as well? Do you think they're a cop out um, because obviously it's not paid, or do you think it's got its place like Buskin has? And, and mm. I do quite a lot of open mics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of the time you just end up playing to the same. Yeah. To, to, to each other, yeah. basically, and yeah. you kind of all become friends, and that's great, and you all support each other. But yeah, whether it achieves much other than you mm. just have a bit of performance experience yeah a bit of practice yeah um but, i don't know i mean That's... i've got about three or four gigs off open mics in like yeah. 14 years That's really it. Oh. like four gigs probably um or mm. well actually no i did meet georgia and donica was when georgia used to do the one i think it's a crowd mm. around the corner like Obviously, they set up an agency off the back of this. They had, oh. Georgia was having to turn down loads of gigs, so she just turned it into an agency. So I've probably had more off the back of, off the back of that one open mic. Mm -hmm. But really, over the years, you think, oh, I'll go to that venue because I want to play there. And most of the time, the owner's not even there for the open mic, or the landlady's <laughs> not there, or the yeah, landlord yeah. not there. That could be where you could potentially change that open mic. But at the end of the day, the open mic only really benefits the, the owner of the pub, really, doesn't it? Because they're getting music for free, potentially. No, they'll, they'll pay, obviously, yeah, they're not paying the artist oh, they pay for the, the open mic. They'll they? pay the yeah, host. Pay the yeah, host. yeah. The, the host will be getting a gig fee out of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. So, it's, yeah, the, yeah no one's. <laughs> I mean, there's people that do open mics for pittance, but no one's doing open mics for free. No. I hope true. not. Yeah. No. Right. Um, I actually don't know how long we've got because I didn't start my timer. So oh, we'll, no. what we'll do is we'll, we'll round this bit off a little bit and then we've got a little bit of a game to finish off on as well, aren't we? Yeah. So, uh, um, so what, what's, I know it's a generic question, probably quite a broad question, but mm. what does, what's the future looking like for you with music? What, where are you hoping to get to? What are you hoping to do? What are you hoping to achieve? world domination you know world domination yeah, yeah. all the way <laughs> um, so you've released an ep obviously um, is the plan to release an, an like an, an album um well kind of i want to do like a waterfall release so i released a single last was it last month i think it was last month um and i'm just gonna i'm working on stuff with um with a friend who's like my producer and i'm just gonna like um release stuff on Bandcamp fridays like as as often as I can. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the general plan. And maybe eventually I'll kind of like put that all together into like an album, like a CD. I see. Thing, I see. So Bandcamp generally make much money or like, obviously you have to advertise it well to actually make yeah. money out of music anyway. But do you find that you're getting a lot of plays or a lot of purchases? Because you can do it where you pay what you want for the single, can't you? Yeah, yeah. That's the benefit of Bandcamp. It actually does go directly to the artist. Yes, exactly. Um, although on Bandcamp Friday, like it's still like PayPal still takes a fee. Mm. It's really annoying. Yeah. It's just so you don't get all the money. No. I mean, it's only a few pennies that you lose, but still. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I wouldn't say I make that much money off of it. However, um, like it's I kind of think of it as like the the musicians platform i guess i see it as yeah. like i've discovered a lot of really good music on there so do you have to pay to get onto bandcamp or no, no no 
No, I need to up. probably start doing that. I've only ever done yeah. Spotify. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, well, which you I, never I get any money but, from, right? Oh no, I've got I've got money in the account, but I've got to make twenty five dollars before I can withdraw anything. I've got mine no. and my other band's original music on there. Both of them are sat at like seven quid or something <laughs> like that. Um, oh no! And I've had like nearly two thousand plays, so that makes sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> <great>. <laughs> So is there, is there any festivals, venues that you're striving to get to? Is is the ultimate thing for you with music that you just want to be enjoying and loving what you're doing? Or is there a strive to go, well, if I can monetize, monetize this, then are you pushing for the monetization or are you pushing for the fulfillment of the music you're making, if that makes sense? I suppose both. Like Obviously, yeah. like the kind of making good music is always going to be like yeah. the most important thing. However... I would love to be able to do it like yeah. full time and not have to worry about. I mean, like, I have been doing it full time, but I've also been on like universal credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's where the majority of my my income's been coming yeah. from, unfortunately. And I would love to be at a point where, yeah, I can just make money off of, off of music full time and, and hopefully that will happen one day. Um, but um, yeah, I always think of like fame as like a really quite a terrifying. Mm prospects you know and it's like seems like it can be kind of really horrendous yeah so i don't know i think there's like there's there's a balance to be had there of just you know who's got it absolutely perfect it's fucking matt bellamy from muse because he doesn't get recognized very much (laughs) he gets recognized like three times a week maximum but he's so rich and gets to play stadiums yeah. and stuff yeah. like that Same, yeah. he's, think, he's living the dream i think that's the thing they stay quiet when they're not touring so then when they tour they like go on this massive marketing campaign yeah and then just get lost for a while again yeah <laughs> like yeah. they just fuck off and then no i'm going to see music in a couple of weeks i'm so excited me too you're going to the huddersfield huddersfield yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> i'm so excited it's gonna be Super. epic Oh, I can't wait for it because mm. like, I've seen a few of the live DVDs. I never thought I was going to get the chance to um, see them once mm. I hit stadiums, but like they put on a proper theatrical show. I know. I'm it's, so excited. It's like being back in 1967 watching Yeah, these. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, wanna, I, I can't wait for it. Yeah. Have you seen the simulation theory um, film that they made? No, do you know what? I've actually made a point of not listening to any of the newest stuff this really? time because because I want to experience it live first. Okay. I've, I do cool. this with the odd band, like, but part of the reason is like I just never get round to listening to new music, just like we were talking yeah, about. Yeah. I think I've discovered one like two new bands in two years. Um, oh no! It's horrendous. I don't know. But I listen to like local bands as a when I meet mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I generally just don't. Yeah. Ever get round to it because I'm trying to listen to podcasts and trying to do this. Yeah. And so yeah, like yeah. when I do listen to music, I just stick my normal playlist on. Yeah. So I think that does come with positives and negatives because mm-hmm. when I go and see a band, I've not really listened to them, so I'm now seeing what they're like. The first time I see everything is live. Yeah, yeah. And it's just okay. like soaking in that atmosphere. I find that really interesting. No, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I like that because with Muse especially, it's all about the live show. Yeah. Like you can listen to them on like. Um, CD <laughs> if yeah. you're from the noughties I suppose um, you can listen to them like their music and, and at home and be like oh this is um, this is a fucking banger but watching videos of them play live is yeah absolutely just phenomenal. adds to it yeah and the, the fact that Matt Bellamy can sweet pick it 
260 BPM and singing over the top of it is just ridiculous. Just I can't, I can't. Not human. No. I'd love it's it so weird. much. Yeah. Do you not find when you go to a, a concert or a gig and, and you don't know the words or you feel like people are looking at it and go, well, he's not a real fan? Yes. <laughs> I do I feel, do, like I do feel the judgment. So, but yeah. something comes on, someone say that. Yeah, yeah. Pick, pick the chorus <laughs> up as you go. Well, uh, half the time I'm just sort of staring at like, if, yeah. especially if it's a band that I've loved for so long or the song just stands out to me. Like I remember going to see Snow Patrol and everything, everything was supporting them. They've got a song called Cough Cough. The first time I've heard him, like, they played that second, and like, it should have been the last song. It was amazing. Really? But I'm just there, like, <laughs> like that is absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. Like mesmerised by this song, I'm like, wow, what, what have I just seen? These are amazing. That's nice, though. And you're yeah. at the moment, you just go limp. <laughs> I mean, it was worse when I started dribbling on my own yeah, leg, and yeah, uh, probably no, a bit no, no. too far then. Hopefully but. everyone else was watching. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, I reckon we, we call it there for a break. We'll, uh, we'll come sure. back with a quick game and we'll introduce your song for the end of the episode as well. So, uh, yeah, cheers, and we'll see you in a minute. Hello, it's me, Preston's biggest dick, and I'm not talking about my attitude problem. Help! I need somebody! Well, Tony at Timpan Alley Guitars helps. He's very good for your services, setups, part replacement, and much, much more. I've had many of my guitars fixed by Tony, just from his house in his little workshop, and he does a fantastic job. So, to find out more about it, go onto Tony's Facebook page, Tony Helps, or type in Tin Pan Alley Guitars on Facebook, and you will see the range of guitars that Tony has fixed and also put together himself. He also does charity auctions to raffle off guitars that he has fixed up, all for good causes. So, without further ado, go and check him out. Back to the episode. One more song, 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 one more song. Thank you very much. <laughs> right, we're into the last part. We're going to play a little game with uh, Shelley LeFay. Um, a guess the riff game. Um, yeah. So me and you will go against each other. Um, and what, what do you reckon? Best, best of three? Best of three sounds yeah, best good. Best of three. So a winner is to two, basically, isn't it? So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. First one. First it, one. It, is it any, jo any genre? Any, any genre. We're... We're opening all doors that I know. Right. It's, if it's all me, it's <laughs> <I'm> fucked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to be fair, I'm not sure I'll even attempt it. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it. You know this. Hold it alone. That's it. Correct. Yes. One nil Shelley. Yes. <laughs> this is going to be a quick one. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, okay. <laughs> best, best, best of five. Best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, this is uh, this is all of a sudden increase. Oh, uh, Town called Malice. Yeah, that's it. Town called Malice by who? Sorry? You did that. You did that just for me because you knew I'd know it. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make the game interested here. Um, Who's it by? Who's it by? Uh, the Jam. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. You can have the point. I'll right. Right. Yeah, play <laughs> the game properly. Um, <laughs> Right, let's think about this. Oh, Sweet oh, Home Alabama. But I don't know who's... Oh. Yeah, who's it like? Chloe, 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 Chlo
Alabama. I just probably like no, you're right. One. Sweet home Alabama. Sweet home Alabama. Yeah. Clearwater. Not Credence Clearwater. Who Clearwater. is it by? Leonard Skinner. Oh, of course it is. Uh, no. Half a yes. point. Half, half a point. point. So it's both. <laughs> no. Not for me. Yeah, you definitely said it first. Oh, okay. Yeah, but... <laughs> one and a half, one. Half <laughs> <laughs> time score. Right. Um, right, what do we play now? Uh, oh, this is really hard now. <laughs> he's, he can, he's not regular guitar. No. no. <laughs> I, I'm shocking at guitar. I've just been blagging my way through a music career. Um, Red oh, Hot uh, Chili Red Hot Chili Peppers, Peppers. Scottish Yes! Point to Shelley. I knew it was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, oh, we won't get done for copyright for that one. That was very quick. Yeah. <laughs> right. Two. Winner takes all now. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Two to one and a half. Yeah, two to one and a half. It set itself up nicely. Oh, James Bay, Hold Back the River. Correct. What a crap Luke wins. I have never heard of that I mean, song. You are. No, not at all. No, it's a crap. Well, yeah. it was all I could think of. I didn't really want to win I was it under on pressure. That, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> I was under pressure, so you know. There we go. I've won. Sorry well, about that. Well done. <laughs> well done. That. Yeah, yeah. Well, right, so we're gonna conclude the episode with your um, with a song from your EP. False Spring, I think it's a banging tune. Um, the the um, chorus and the melody stuck in my head all weekend, which oh. is always a good sign, isn't it? Um, I know you don't want to give away too much of what the song's about, but introduce it in your own way and we'll uh, we'll flick the episode. Are we not doing quick fire questions? Oh, we can something? do. I haven't really got any plans, to be fair. They're usually just like Coke or Pepsi and that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Shall we skip oh, this on, or that? Because we've, we've already played a game. Shall we skip this or that and just ask like the, the last question? Question like what the sixteen-year-old self. Okay, yeah, about. all right, yeah. That's so, cool. Shelley, what would you say to a sixteen-year-old self just starting out in life or music? I to yeah. myself, yeah. Or to to your, any so you're, you, you, you're talking to yourself uh, <laughs> as a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> this seems like it's right up your street. You know, but, um, yeah, you're talking to yourself, and what would you maybe do differently to get you to where you are now? Or I know, obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but it would be nice to go back and chat to your younger yeah. self, I suppose. So, okay, the th- hmm. what I would say is learn how to practice, learn how to practice, and do that every single day, um, because I only really came up with a good like practice regime for this is for violin mm. um in um during covid during mm. lockdown because i was like stuck inside yeah. bored shitless and i was like oh, i'm gonna use this time to my advantage and i just like several hours every day i was like really methodical about what i needed to work on like scales and arpeggios to like warm up and then you know certain pieces and i would break everything down mm. and be like okay this i need to run this bit like you know 10 times or this whole song like 10 times every day Um, and like my level just like went from that and I wish that I'd known that earlier Mm. like how to practice have you continued with that routine then yeah I've got a bit more lax with it probably just from like you know complacency or whatever but um, I, I still really try to I just I know like I know now that it's the best way to practice is just to yeah just be as methodical as possible and just like write out what you need to work on yeah and just like do even if you're doing like five ten minutes on it every day like it the most important thing is doing it every day yeah rather than like i used to just practice and like 
you know several hour long chunks but like not consistently mm. and just doing a small amount every day will just like Im- improve your level just so, yeah, so much th- quicker I think the planning one's massive because mm. I'm by no means an incredible guitarist but sometimes I pick the guitar up and I'm like what do I do today like yeah. so like you say plan out what your goals are and stuff is massive really mm. because you do get so I'd sometimes get stuck with what I want to do next and yeah. that kind of thing so uh, definitely yeah. yeah well I'm always noodling around with scales and stuff like that I think mm. most of my practice is noodling so yeah. I'll do it because I, I teach um, instrumental vocal lessons throughout the week I'll just mess about on something and I might do when I'm actually at home all I'll do is I'll stick on a blues backing track and just try mm. improvising in a particular key yeah. mm. just so I'm not doing something the same key yeah. but that 10 minutes or that 5-10 minutes around that backing track like you get you get to a gig and all of a sudden you've you've got yourself in a rut you've missed part of the solo now you've got to make it up to get yourself back on track. Absolutely. I know I'm, I've got a couple of licks now that I know so I've true. got in my locker. Yeah, yeah. It's mad. Yeah. Um, what was the other question we normally ask? Um, oh, I did have it. <laughs> What's the one you normally ask? Um, <laughs> it was there. It was sat there. And we just got onto this. She's just trying to wrap my brain for uh, for yeah. Yes. Yeah, can we like listen back to another episode just so you can get it we'll do a cut yeah flick it back in yeah Uh, we had a quick break there for uh, thinking time thinking time (laughs) Uh, so uh, moving forward we're going to introduce your song soon bands especially in Manchester where you you are now or it can be anywhere to be fair but we are sort of trying to be a local music podcast Mm -hmm. Um, up and coming artists or, or artists that are sort of unsigned who would you recommend it could be band, it could be solo that we maybe haven't heard before and yeah. would be worth listening to. Apart from myself and my band. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I would definitely recommend checking out Ask My Bull, which is a weird name, Ask My Bull. Ask My Bull. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Such a stupid <laughs> But um, they're like the most kind of like fun party music you'll ever see in your life they're just like there's no vocals it's all just like drums guitar bass and two saxophones and um yeah they just play this like incredible just like fun dancey music and I not like dance music, but just I think they call it like troll jazz. <laughs> right, which doesn't really help. Like a little bit like jazz fusion sort of stuff. Like Maybe. it kind of crosses with fo- funk a little bit. Is it sort Maybe, of Maybe, but it's stuff? more upbeat than that. Right. That makes me think of like mid tempo, and it's yeah. definitely a lot more like. And just their gigs are always just like the the most fun ever. Just like you just can't you just run out of breath from dancing and stuff. So like I would definitely recommend them. Um, who else? My mind's gone blank now. <laughs> All right, well, we'll move up. We'll move on slightly. Okay. Um, music <laughs> venue you would recommend the most, probably in Manchester, where you, you think they sort of celebrate, especially for your original music, and and they, you know, they're very accommodating. It's a great venue to go to. What would you recommend as a good as a good venue? Okay. Are you gonna cut it if I need to think for a minute? We can do, yeah. Cool. Okay, because yeah. I might have to. You know when you like put on the spot and you just tell you what when you get your I'll, I'll do a thumb up and then when you get your idea I'll do another thumb up and then sure. that'll help me with the video. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. A uh, venue I would recommend. Does it have to be in Manchester? No, not really. To be fair, because there's a couple. Oh, okay, I've got some. Yeah. Got some. <laughs> so venue I would recommend. I've got a few. 
Um, one is um, the spinning top, which is in Stockport. Yeah. Um, it's run by a guy called Mike Swan, who is just wonderful. And um, they put on gigs like several nights a week. Um, my band play there quite a lot, um, just because it's always just such a lovely atmosphere. Mike is just a legend. He's one of these people that is just keeping like live music yeah. alive, basically. Um, I would say the same thing about the Golden Lion in Todmorden and about uh, number 39 in Darwin. Yeah. Very similar kind of thing, I think, just like the, the I don't know if they're like, like Mike is, I think, the landlord of the spinning top. But I don't know about mm. like the, what the job title is of yeah. like the guys at the Golden Lion and the, and number 39, but they are just like so enthusiastic about getting like new, new bands on. And um, I think they've just, sorry to, I think sorry. they've just opened up an original music venue in, in Darwin or reopened it called, is it Songbird or Sun, Sunbird? record or something like that they've opened it up and it's meant to be exclusively for live music for nice. original music so okay. it might be nice. worth checking that out actually what's it called you, uh, it's either called songbird or sunbird i think it's sunbird that does ring a bell sunbird actually. i want to say records but i feel yeah something like Is that, that it's, sunbird. it's in darwin oh it's in darwin no, that's why Sorry. i mentioned it because in number 39 yeah, yeah so yeah have a look at that yeah it's quite cool isn't it yeah mm. okay right we're going to uh, help let you introduce your song for us okay um, so you take the stage as the music comes in. <laughs> okay. Hi everyone. <laughs> um, this is a song from my first, my debut EP called False Spring, and it is about um, meeting the right person at the wrong time, because we've all been there, right? <laughs> Enjoy. Bye. Big thanks to Shelley LeFay for coming <laughs> on, and uh, yeah, go and check her out on all of her social medias. Uh, we'll do a quick social media plug for you as well. So how, how can we find you and Matt Maverick, uh, Matt Heartless and the Maverick Seven? How can we find them on social medias? Um, probably just a case of spelling them really because yeah, like, yeah. We're, we're everywhere. Um, so my, my name is Shelley LeFay, which is S-H-E-L-L-I and then L-E and then F-A-Y. And Matt Heartless and the Maverick Seven is as it sounds, but Heartless is H A R T L E W S. There's no E. Oh. So it's like a heart with antlers, not. Oh, hipsters. It's his real name. <laughs> oh, right, right. Really? Yeah, yeah. it's his real name. He's sad wow. words, apparently. Right. It's like Old English. Ah, okay. So Interesting. cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Historic. Yeah. yeah. Historic. <laughs> 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 no, go, go check Shelley out. Go and check her artwork out as well because I had a look at that yesterday and it's pretty cool. So, Thank uh, yeah. You. No, thanks for coming on. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. It's been no fun. worries. Thanks a lot. And don't forget to hit the notification bell, subscribe to the channel, tell your friends, share it all out, and like the video. Cheers. Thank you very much. <laughs>
like pros about you, boy. Got no straight answers. My cards and my runes told me that we aren't Kim from the furnaces of stars, from long before the flood. Yeah.